Are you having a hard time resisting temptation in your life? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be diving into James chapter 1, 12 through 18, and we're going to be seeing what the Bible has to say on how we can overcome temptation and live a life boldly and faithfully for God. So turn to James chapter 1, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Glad to be with you as we continue our study here in the book of James. So I just want to just dive right in and get into this because this is so, so important. If there's a message that I can give to Christians all over, it would be uh, this passage. And you're going to see why. Because one of the things I've been noticing through the years as a pastor in my travels, speaking in churches and talking to parents and talking to grandparents and talking to young people, even talking to pastors themselves, even looking at my own life and my struggles, but through the faithfulness of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through accountability and, and again, fasting and praying and being grounded and steadfast in God's word, I've learned the depths of people's souls when, it, when they are just being ravished by sin and seeing how it's destroying people. Now, we are born in sin and we are living in a world and we have a body of death that's going to do things that we know that we shouldn't do. And there are things that we know that we uh, should do that we don't want to do. So there's the sin of omission and there's the sin of commission. The reason I say this particular passage is because I do see there's a lot of people who just give in to temptation. They make excuses or the ones who are trying to overcome it. For example, let's say, again, a big thing in our culture today, a big thing around the world, and in part because of the access that we have through the internet, is porn. Porn is destroying, my friends. I call it in my book, the challenging, in Challenging Conversations, I call it the silent killer. All right? It's destroying people's lives. And it's also causing a lot of young people today to see sexuality differently or to see the purpose of sex in a way that's very selfish and very degrading. And it's messing with people's minds. It's messing with people's creativity. It's messing with people's emotional state. It's messing with people to the point, you guys, where it is destroying people's relationships with God, marriages, families. And so when we're talking about resisting temptation, what is it that you're going through right now? I mean, there was a laundry list of things that I was thinking about before recording this episode about people that we've been counseling or we've been in touch with or emails that have come into our ministry or even doing the research the last two years in my book, Challenging Conversations, dealing with substance abuse, dealing with depression, dealing with racism, dealing with premarital sex. So many of these, again, controversial topics that we don't want to bring up in a church environment, even though we should. That's why I wrote the book. But as I was doing research, realizing how many people are in complete and total despair, and it is sad to see people's lives being ruined because they give into temptation. And then the more you give into it, as you and I know, we become a slave to it. So it's not just a matter of you and I talking about resisting temptation. 
It's also in conjunction to that, and more importantly, overcoming sin in our lives. Because as sin dominates your life, you're a slave to it. And you're giving into the desires of the flesh rather than walking in the spirit. So I just want to bring us up to speed where we have left off. And if you remember, the first thing that James starts talking about when he introduces himself into the 12 tribes and dispersion and the dispersion, to count it all joy when you go through various trials. Well, now he's going to get specifically into temptations because there are three T's that we that we as Christians go through, any human being. But we're, again, specifically talking to Christians as we're studying the Word of God. We face trials of various kinds. We will face temptations in our life, and we will go through tribulations in our life. Now, a lot of them will feed into one particular thing. There will be testing. There's going to be the trip. It'd be a, a point of time that you're going through a tribulation, or it'd be a temptation that you are off and on faced with, whether it be porn, whether it be pride, whether it be gossip, whether it be some type of lust of greed, whether it be something regarding insecurity, or again, being bulimic or being anorexic. I mean, there's, you guys, there's, there's a gamut of different things. There's so many things out there that we as human be- beings are faced with, that we need to be talking about these things more. Because remember, where we left off, and this is going to be another key word that, that we're going to be mentioning again in, 12, in verses 12 through 18, it's about being steadfast. James said in verse 1, uh, excuse me, in chapter 1, verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, that is what, James continues to go back to how can we be perfect, lacking nothing? Well, if you don't resist temptation, you will not be more like Christ. You will not have a strong faith. That's why I say this is such a powerful message that we need to be sharing with people. Because also when we're talking about resisting temptation, there's vulnerability, vul- uh, vulnerability attached to that. Which makes us all, all the more reason, right? That we need to be talking about these things. We need to be vulnerable. We need to admit that we cannot do things alone. And so many of us are not engaged in churches. We're not building community. We're not being open and honest with people about our struggles. So as we go through this passage and we learn how to resist temptation, I hope and pray that this will bring freedom in your life. So let's jump right into this passage and learn on this podcast today, what God wants you and I to understand in his word and to live in an obedience. So right here we, we see in chapter one, verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Again, that word that was used in verse four, it means to endure patiently in the midst of opposition or resistance. So blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood, meaning he had been approved, he has resisted, he's been tested in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this temptation, and he's being found genuine. It says, under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown. That means the wreath of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted, catch this, when he is lured. It literally means being dragged away and enticed, meaning 
I fall into sin because it's attractive. Why? Because it's my own desires, we're told at the end of verse 14. Then verse 15. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to what? To sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So right off the bat, after encouraging his readers, after James was telling them to ask for wisdom in the midst of trials in verses 5 through 11, and emphasizing the humbleness that comes as a result, James now is, is he's, he's now quickly transitioning into another comparison of the Christian life. And what he does is he compares it to a Greek race to reinforce his point. Again, when you go back to two through four, where he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then he says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, you and I know that that takes discipline. And when you and I are disciplined enough to listen to the Lord and to do the things that he has called us to do, guess what? We are going to be blessed. Why? Because we're going to be steadfast. So this is a familiar phrase taken from the Beatitudes of Jesus when you go back to Matthew chapter 5, 2 through 11. And again, as I've been telling you, and I will continue to mention this repeatedly, the outline of James's letter is from the Sermon on the Mount. He is copying his half-brother, and you know what? We all do it. We should, because it's Jesus. He's perfect. He's our Savior. So this phrase, blessed is the man, is a familiar phrase because he's taking it from what his brother said in the Beatitudes. Notice this phrase when he has stood the test. You see, Christians who crossed the finish line, Christians who, who stood in the midst of, again, remember that word, in the midst of opposition, when they faced ridicule, when they faced resistance, and they stood the test, meaning that they remain faithful. The Bible says when they cross that finish line, they will receive a reward. What is that reward, my friends? It's eternal life. It's, a, it's eternal life with Christ in heaven, and someday he will make this world new, and we will dwell in the new heavens and the new earth. And notice what, what he mentions here. And this is a phrase that's used throughout. It's, it's used differently. Here's the crown of life. That's what we'll receive. There's also the crown of righteousness and other passages of scripture that, that, that Paul and Peter use. But this crown is to be placed on the champion's head. So this depicts Christians receiving their rewards after faithfully serving God and others. So I want you guys to think about that. See, this is why... We need to be talking about this more, not just to say, hey, do you have this sin problem? Yes. Okay. Here's five steps to get out of it. We understand that that is necessary. Okay. That's needed. But I want you guys to have an eternal perspective. If you resist the temptation that you are facing right now in your life. Okay. So fill in the blank, whatever it is. Let's say it's pride. Or let's say it's lust. Or let's say it's gossip. Or let's say it's fear. Okay? 
and you resist that, here's the eternal perspective. When you have shown yourself approved, when you have stood the test, it's all about receiving your rewards in heaven. It's all about God saying, well done in the midst of that. That should motivate you, my friends. That should motivate you because the Bible says God has promised these things to those whom he loves. That's the amazing truth about the Lord. He gives you and I the love that we need. So we're not abandoned. We're not left alone. Now, here's another great thing. Because so many people, and this is why I go back to this passage, so many people, and I wish I could spend hours upon hours, you guys, dissecting this whole thing with you. And But I encourage you to, to do more study than what you're just getting here in this podcast because obviously we're, we're, we're limited in, in time and scope. But nevertheless, what why I'm re- reinforcing this message to all of us in the church is because notice in verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. See, that's why this is so important. It's not just resisting the temptation, but it's also understanding that when I do, it's because I'm advancing my life with God for all eternity. And in, in, in another aspect here in verse 13, God is not the one that's doing this in my life to punish me. I'm not being tempted by God is not putting this out there to destroy me to weaken me, to discourage me. God cannot be tempted with evil. There are so many Christians, you guys, who have compromised here. Rather than recognize that what they're doing is sinful, they blame God for it. So after discussing trials, James is now give, he's giving a distinction between the nature of temptation and the nature of God. That's why this is so important. Let's understand what you're going through as a Christian. And, and then let's understand what you're going through in this world and understand more importantly than you and the world, who is God? Let's make sense of this because we were told before all this that when you're going through a various trial, when you're going through something and you're facing a temptation, uh, remember there's various kinds, so there, it's also implying tribulations or, or temptation. You ask God who gives you generously. He, he's not the one that's trying to, he's not punishing you. He's not leading you to sin. So if there's something in your life and you keep giving into it and you're sinning against God, it's not God's fault. That's not the nature of who God is. That's our nature, our sinful nature. So James is not implying that temptation in and of itself is sin. Okay, so let's also understand that because that's another problem that we have in the church today. That people think that when they're tempted with something, that that in and of itself is sinful. Not all temptation leads to sin. Okay. Remember, Jesus was taken out through the whole, by the Holy Spirit, out, pushed, rushed into the desert where he faced various temptations, various trials. And yet he did not sin. We're told in Scripture, that famous passage, 1 Corinthians 10, that no temptation has overtaken us except such as common to man. But God is faithful and just. Do not let, you know, let that temptation destroy you, but he will give you a way of escape. Remember, it's God who gives you the way of escape. So when you do, and there's another, this is another truth that we need to be continuing to tell Christians. When we do overcome it, we're not to become prideful as a result of that. Or we're not to become blinded to think because I resisted the temptation for the third, fourth, fifth time that I'm going to be able to resist it the sixth time. We have to remain humble. God cannot be tempted with evil. God is completely and totally perfect. He is a perfect being of goodness, 
of righteousness and purity and perfection. So here's another thing why this is so important that we need to be telling the church, you guys. In the midst of resisting temptation and you stood the test, you have that eternal perspective and you're advancing your relationship with God for all eternity, you're becoming more like Jesus. And you identify that when you resist something that's evil and you pursue something that is good, you learn more about God. God doesn't set up his children to sin, but he does test us, right? He does test us. And oftentimes when temptation does come within our fallen status, it becomes sinful because we give into our enticements. It's so attractive. That's why we do it. If sin was not attractive, we wouldn't be sinning. But in the midst of seeing truly our sinful nature and seeing sin for what it is, which is trying to take away the good, it's trying to mar, it's trying to deplete, it's trying to destroy, it's trying to wreck a beautiful thing that we have with God. It's in those moments, you guys, when we learn to resist by putting our faith and trust in God to be steadfast, we learn about God. We learn about his beauty, his purity. And there's reverence there. Habakkuk 1.13 says, your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. So the point is like for us, when you are faced with temptation, do you have a disgust for it? Or do you keep giving into it because you just can't resist? 1 John 1.5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What about you? What kind of darkness is in your life? What, what kind of secret closets, if you will, of sin do you have in your life? 1 Peter 2, verse 22, he, that is Jesus, committed no sin, neither was deceit, notice, found in his mouth. And later in James chapter 3, one of the tests, one of the standards that James is going to show of a person who is complete, lacking nothing, is someone who can control the tongue, which, of course, none of us can. And yet we're told in Scripture here in 1 Peter 2, 22, that Jesus... Not only did he commit acts of sin, he didn't have thoughts of sinning, but he didn't say any sinful things out of his mouth. That's amazing. That is absolutely and truly amazing. So when you don't gossip, when you don't give in to lust, when you don't give in again, fill in the blank, when you don't sin because you resisted temptation, therefore you don't sin, you're being more like Jesus. And that should excite us. That's, what, that's why we need to be talking more about this. Not in a negative. All oh, you guys are a bunch of sinners and you need to stop doing this. You need to stop looking at porn. You need to stop lusting. You need to stop being prideful. You need to stop being... We can't teach people. That's not how James is approaching the issue, you guys. Notice, again, very pastoral. And he puts the focus back on God. And he says, you guys, we have to remember who God is. And that's why in verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured, dragged away and enticed, meaning... You fall into the sin because of your own desires. And if you continue to do that, if you and I continue to do that, it will give birth to sin. And if we continue to feed that sin, it will grow up and it will kill us. And we know the stories of many people who literally have lost their lives because of sin, drug addictions, right? The evil that results from giving into temptation is not from God, my friends. So whatever you're going through right now, it's not God. God is not punishing you. Please hear me. But it comes, the sin, it comes from the inward workings of our own flesh. And so we have to recognize, as we see how holy and awesome God is, we have to recognize how depraved and lost we are without him. James is using a vivid description here because he's getting to the point, just like his half-brother Jesus did when Jesus talked about how he gave, he gave vivid descriptions of it. 
So this vivid description of giving birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. He's showing how sin develops in a person's life if they bend to its wishes. My friends, we cannot bend to the wishes of sin, but we are to surrender our lives in obedience to Christ. So when you and I see the difference between trials in verses 2 through 4 and temptations here in verses 13 through 14, it makes sense. We will go through various trials. God will test us because he wants to refine us to be steadfast. But when we face temptations, that's not of God. That's going to lead us to sin. Trials are tests from God. Temptations are enticements from the flesh. Temptations also come from Satan. Temptations are in this world. Trials are meant to strengthen your faith. Temptations are meant to destroy your faith. See the difference? So when he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brother, this is so profound, which is another reason why I think this message needs to be preached more and more to people. We are so deceived. We have become so gullible. This is a point that James stresses in the midst of talking about resisting temptation is not being deceived. Why? Because so many of them become, they, they, they came to the belief. So it's one thing when you're falling into sin because you're, you didn't resist the temptation and you fell into the sin. It's another, re, it's another thing when you did it because of your view of God. You, you thought, God did this. So you see a lot of movements today where they put God on it, like God made me this way. God approves of me. God loves me. God does not judge people that way. We need to be more inclusive because that's who God is. God is whoever you view him to be or her to be. And that's dangerous, my friends. We are not to be deceived. So notice in connection here, you want to be dis- if you want to be steadfast, if you want to be someone who stands approved before God, you're not to fall into, de- uh, into deception. And, knowing, and notice that when, when temptation does come, there's going to be deception. Because that's the whole point of sin. It looks good. That's deceiving. It's like those commercials. The burger doesn't look like that when you go to that fast food joint and get it. The fries do not look that crispy. They're not straight up like that. Everything looks so perfect. And that sizzling steak. But then when you go get the product, when you really go there to get it for yourself, it's not the way that it was portrayed in the commercial. We are not to be deceived. What we are also now in the midst of all this to hold fast to is knowing that every good gift, every perfect thing comes from God. So instead of leading his children down a destructive path, God, on the other hand, what does he do? He showers his children with blessings. James refers to him as a father of lights. Again, going back to describing him, if God doesn't lead us to temptation, why? Because he is perfectly holy and wholly just. This phrase here, the father of lights, he's saying God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's giving this beautiful description. It actually portrays like Psalm 136 verses 7 and 8 that says, To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. We can be steadfast in our faith because God is steadfast in his creation. His love endures forever, which is another reason why we need to be talking about these guys and resisting temptation because when we do, it's because God's love and his forgiveness is far more powerful than the allurement of sin, than the temptation itself. 
And I, I'm just not convinced that a lot of Christians believe that, which is why I say this passage of scripture is so vitally important to be preached in the church. So I encourage you as I conclude by looking at this last passage in a minute, you, you have to be sharing this with people, my friends. You have to be letting them know how important it is for them to live for God, not in the flesh. Yes, we live in this body right now, this, this, this tent that's perishing. But we're not to give in to sin and justify it in thinking that we can be in right standing before God. We are to walk in the spirit. So we don't, the Bible says, gratify the desires of the flesh. So verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So what he's referring to, notice when he was talking about sin, James was referring to it being born. Like when you give in to temptation, you're giving birth, okay, to sin in your life. So it will, it will, there, sin will have a residence there in your life and it will continue to grow if you keep feeding it. So that's the vivid description. But notice here now, he's referring to first fruits. And so now he's applying spiritually a birth. That's salvation. And notice it comes by the power of God, we're told in Romans 1.16. doesn't come from our power. It comes from the power of God. So if we are saved by the power of God, if Christ, what he did, his love and his forgiveness on the cross Right, the imputation, if you think about it, the power of the incarnation, God in the flesh dies on our behalf. He becomes the second Adam. That power is greater than the power and the effects of sin, my friends. The new Bible commentary says the first fruits were viewed as the best of the harvest. So God is making redeemed human beings the epics of all creation. And that's where I want to end right now. Why this is so important. Because when you're resisting temptation, you're not just investing in that eternal perspective. You're not just standing firm and being a witness and honoring and serving God. You are that redeemed person who is in the process of being fully restored at some point. So when we resist temptation, when we don't give into the sin, when sin does not give birth in our lives, but rather through the word of truth. And we are the first fruits of his creatures, meaning we're showing that that sin doesn't have to dominate our lives. We don't have to be ruined by the temptations of the world. We don't, yes, we can be enticed by them, but we don't have to give in to them because he who is in us is far greater than he who is in the world. And every time you and I resist temptation and we walk faithfully before God, my friends, you're a powerful witness. You can help other people find freedom, find victory in Christ because it's all pointing to the day when Christ will restore all things. So I want you guys to meditate on these truths rather than giving into sin or blaming God for whatever you're going through in your life. God loves you far more than you can imagine. And I hope and I pray that you would, would recognize that in your life. So remember, whatever temptation you're, you're, you're facing right now, the power of the Holy Spirit is far greater than that temptation. 
So thank you guys for watching and, and thank you guys for listening. And I appreciate, again, all of you guys who are sending in your prayer requests or you're sending in your questions. So if you are discouraged right now and you have a question or maybe you want to submit a prayer request to Stand Strong Ministries, you can contact us at info at standstrongministries.org. So until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.